This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. All the galaxies, all for you indeed. And tonight we are taking that to the most literal possible level. Hello everyone and welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. My name is Zach and I'm very excited to be talking about all the things that we have to talk about tonight. It's an episode that's kind of overdue considering all of the stuff that's been happening around the different galaxies lately, but better late than never I say. And uh, before it gets too late into this program, I'm just going to go ahead and bring in my friend, my co-host, my good buddy, Mr. Benjamin Hart. How's it going, everybody? Glad to be back and uh, talking about a lot of interesting stuff tonight. We uh, we haven't done one of these in a while. A little, little bit of news and, and, and stuff because a lot of stuff's happening. Seems like stuff's happening all the time. <laughs> we can hardly keep up with it. Um, so we don't usually try too much. We just kind of, you know, do our own thing. We, we talk about new movies and old movies and all kinds of good stuff. But tonight... tonight we're going to go back and actually talk about some of the interesting things that have been dropping over the past few days and weeks. Well, the the funny thing is, most of the time, if something really big drops, we'll just include it as like a segment of our show or whatever. But uh, we usually have like a, a really, you know, big topic to talk about. But every now and again, you just kind of need to hit the pause button, take a deep breath, look at what's going on around you before you dive headfirst into something else. Right, and so that that's part of what we have in mind for tonight with this newsreel episode. Um, in all honesty, the newsreel really hasn't been something that we've done a whole whole lot of lately, um, and it's not for lack of news. It's just been the structural format of the show and the way things have gone and the number of conversations and different directions that we've been pulled and things like that. But it's nice to be able to just kind of sit back, take a deep breath, and, and talk about some of the stuff that there is to talk about. Because, I mean, I'll be honest, our very first topic of the evening excites the hell out of me. Like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, ready, I'm ready for the Entertainment Weekly article, but in the meantime, the stuff that we got from Vanity Fair covering the rise of Skywalker and some of its cast and, and crew... It really, really got the Star Wars juices flowing again. Yeah, it, well, it's funny. Last week, of course, we did Revenge of the Sith, and we actually forgot, we, or more accurately, we ran out of time before we did our official Rise of Skywalker update. Um, so we're going to do it right now, because really there wasn't much to talk about last week. Now we have a lot of stuff to talk about. It is now 211 days, and of course we are recording this a little bit early this week, on Wednesday, and this all this dropped on Wednesday, and we've got the official Vanity Fair edition, um, or I should I say, <laughs> the Rise of Skywalker edition of Vanity Fair magazine that dropped. I don't think the magazine's actually out just yet, but they released all the stuff online. 
We got a bunch, a big article that I personally haven't even read through yet. I've just kind of glanced through it and kind of gleaned some information from. But the biggest thing is these photos, which are stunning. And, you know, you got, you know, Ray and Kylo on the cover, and there's two covers, and they connect so that you can kind of put them together, and they're kind of standing next to each other, which is interesting. And, you know, there's another video that they put out, but then there's, you know, Kylo and Ray fighting on top of some kind of metallic surface. Some people are thinking it's the Death Star. Other people are thinking, oh, it's the Millennium Falcon that just happens to be upside down in the water. <laughs> that's, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg of those theories. Um, but we got, you know, Poe and Lando and Chewie in the Falcon. We got uh, Richard E. Grant as Commander, no, General Pride. So that's interesting. And then a bunch of others. Um, that I haven't even really had a chance to study that well because there's just so many of them. But which one of these stood off to you the most, Zach? Oh, man. It, it's hard to pick, if I'm being totally honest. I look at all this, and I just start getting really excited all over again because um, Richard E. Grant, I I think he's a, he's a fantastic actor, and I'm just so excited to have him in the Star Wars universe. Um, I love some of the behind the scenes stuff where it, they just take like a beautiful, beautiful snapshot of the moment where uh, Daisy Ridley as Ray is just kind of prepping for her scene. And then you've got like the background with uh, the, 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 the natural scenery and the clouds kind of going on behind them. Like it just sets the tone for how beautiful their atmosphere, like the environment that they're in really is. Uh, John Williams composing, doing what he does. So good. And you've got a shot of our, uh, our royalty in the background there. Mm -hmm. He's, he's working on a princess Leia, uh, oriented sequence. And so obviously we can just imagine the, the elements and the tones of, of, uh, her theme being interwoven into what he's doing. But if I'm being honest, I'm most intrigued, I won't say most excited for, but most intrigued by the photo of J.J. Abrams with a bunch of hooded, cloaked figures that greatly resemble the Knights of Ren. Yeah, yeah, they're, they pretty much confirm that the Knights of Ren are coming back in this little uh, article here, and... Yeah, that's got me excited because I've been hoping. Not that I'm like, like, oh, I love the Knights of Ren. Like, I don't know anything about them. I'm just intrigued right. by that was set up in Force Awakens. We got that one little scene, and we got Snoke saying, Master of the Knights of Ren, what does it mean? And then we get to Last Jedi, and it's none of us there. And, you know, it's just like, what is the whole thing? What were they setting up in Force Awakens? And obviously... You know, JJ's coming back. I mean, this is kind of the 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 bonus of him coming back is that he has to get pick up on some of those, you know, lost threads that were just left open that Ryan didn't pick up on. Now he gets to do them, and we're gonna see the Knights of Ren in some form. I don't know if it's gonna be a big or small role, but they're there. Yeah, and I mean that's one thing. I I, I don't mean to sound like I'm trashing on Ryan Johnson, but I just can't help but be intrigued by what this trilogy would have looked like if JJ had had the wheel for all three episodes. I, I think I think either Ryan or JJ should have had the wheels for all of it, and not either or. 
I think yes. I think I would have loved to have seen what Ryan could have done with Force Awakens. I would have loved to have seen what JJ would have done with Last Jedi. Like it, it's it's the whole what if scenario of like what it would have been like. But we're kind of kind of get that with Rise of Skywalker. We're kind of getting you know JJ Abrams starting something and finishing something and just someone in the middle who just screwed everything up. <laughs> uh, I I wouldn't go quite that far, but I, I do imagine that there's going to be a little damage control that happens, but not too much that it's just blatantly over the top. Um, it, no, it's, I it's don't the, think there's going to be, I don't think there's going to be any retcons, but I do. Well, I don't know. No, wanna, no, no. I, that, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying retcons. I'm just saying things that help bridge the gap between the story that Ryan told and the story that J.J. wants to tell. I think there's going to be some bridging in the sense of the Knights of Ren. We had something yeah, that, could that was set up in could be. The Force Awakens. We didn't see it in Last Jedi for whatever reason, and now we're going to pick back up on that. And, thing. and maybe in the long run, when we're watching, people are watching this trilogy 20 years from now, it'll all work, seem to work out. Like, oh, they were setting this up in Force Awakens, and then they ultimately paid it off in the second and third movie. Maybe it'll all work out. But in the, in the sense right now, it is kind of weird going like, oh, okay, this disappeared, came back, you know. But I'm glad that at least some of that stuff that J.J. set up, is gonna, they're going to come back to it. So here's, here's one thing that I've been confused by in both the the teaser that we've gotten and now these Vanity Fair photos. Did Ray somehow repair Luke's lightsaber? Because last we saw it was trashed. And I mean the the obvious answer is we don't know. But from the teaser and what we see in the teaser is that she is picking up and using a lightsaber that looks Pretty much the same, except for there's little this little band around the middle of it, where it looks like it's been repaired. Um, it still has the blue blade. I thought she was gonna do something new with it. I honestly, I'm kind of worried about the fact that they're just gonna fix it and it's just kind of kind of be this thing that just happens and it's not gonna be a big deal. I thought like, okay, they destroyed the saber. Like, what can they do with this? And just to kind of paste it back together seems a bit boring to me. But yeah, at the same time, because the the whole idea in Ryan's story was that by breaking the sword, you're breaking with tradition. Right. There, there is there is no distinction between Jedi and Sith now, which accomplishes Luke's ultimate goal that he wanted to set forward at the beginning of the movie. Like, I get it. I mean, it, it's no different than what happened in the Game of Thrones finale, where one of the most iconic elements of the show ends up getting destroyed because that was the thing that was causing the problems in the first place. You know, right. I'm not I, I'm not I'm not gonna try and give away too many Game of Thrones spoilers for you guys, but I haven't even that, watched that's... the show, but I caught that one. <laughs> right. Like I probably was a little too deliberate there. I apologize. But you know, there's just certain elements of 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 movies and, and cinematic quality TV shows that the symbolic breaking or symbolic destruction is meant to be reached on a deeper level. And if all you're doing is gluing it back together and surprise, a new coat of right. paint and a new battery and it's good as new, feels like a bit of a cop-out. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, I definitely agree. I'm hoping, and this is, this is a theory that someone at Celebration actually posed to me in person. Swapping theories in person. That's, that's the thing you get to do at conventions. Um, and All this right, person, just rub it in, why don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this person said 
well, what if the, you know, because we're kind of led to believe that the Death Star thing happens at the end of the movie. What if it happens towards the middle of the movie and the desert scenes are towards the end of the movie and what we have is Rey taking the lightsaber and she's put it back together, but the lightsaber crystal inside is broken and it's cracked. What if they have to go to the Death Star to get a new kyber crystal to make the lightsaber work? I mean, I could see that, but then how does that explain the Vanity Fair image of the two of them fighting each other? That's true. That's true. That does throw like, wrench if in they, ears. If, if they have to work together in order to get the Kyber Crystal and defeat the Emperor, what was it that causes the two of them to fight each other again? What I'm, what I'm worried about is that it's something that Ryan had like a really good idea. Like, okay, we're going to break the saber in half. It's going to be a big deal. And then J.J. comes along and goes, I'm not interested in that, basically. And he just puts it back together. And, like, that... More or less. That's... I hope that's not the case, but that's not what I'm worried about. And that's kind of boring. If, if they really could have done something interesting. I was hoping that... You know, you remember Force Unleashed? Remember when he takes apart the lightsaber? His lightsaber? And he's, like, using the Force to, like, put it back together? Like, I thought we were going to get, like, something like that in the rise of skywalker something along those lines where she's like using the force to like you know pull these pieces together and takes the remnants of the old lightsaber to build something new i was hoping for something like that but apparently not did you know that that's actually in the clone wars micro series too oh you know i forgot all about that that's well that's in the clone wars micro series it's in the younglings arc from the clone wars I believe it is. Yeah, so that concept is canon. Yeah, it is. So, I, Oh, yeah. And the prospect of seeing that in a Star Wars film is fascinating. And, you know, maybe we will get that. Maybe it'll just be, hey, it'll just be built, putting the lightsaber back the way it was. But that, I don't know. I, I, I tend to agree with a lot of people, people. I think it'd be cool if she had a double-bladed lightsaber. I think, I think that'd be pretty badass. Well, it would also be great um, mirror storytelling because the quote-unquote first movie of the saga was the one that introduced us to double-bladed sabers, and then we see her wielding the staff in The Force Awakens, right. which you know lets us know that she's capable of uh, doing it from both ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to make it weird. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I got caffeine in my system. I'm a little loopy. Um, it shows that she's capable of something like that. So it's not like it's entirely unprecedented, and it would make for some really great storytelling. So I'm in favor of it. This could just be an image that's being used to throw us off and just wildly speculate over something that's not even going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like Yeah, there's no telling really at this point. There, there really isn't. But what is interesting is the uh, the prospect of Poe joining Chewy, BBA and Lando on adventures on the Falcon because he's been a bit of a flyboy obviously uh-huh. but he's he's been sticking to fighter pilots mostly being a co-pilot with two of the better smugglers/pilots in the galaxy it could be a really humbling experience for him or it could be a really humbling experience for them as he learns how to take control of the ship yeah, that's going to be interesting. Like, had that whole dynamic because there's, there's, I think there's a shot 
there's one of the first shots we ever got from this was um, a behind the scenes shot from JJ Abrams who had Finn and Poe and I think Chewie in the cockpit and then you have in the trailer you have Lando and uh, and Chewie um, and you know obviously speaking here like a lot of these photos can be doctored not just doctored but like setting up stuff that isn't actually in the movie like for example there's a an iconic shot of of from episode one from Annie Leibovitz Vanity Fair same thing they did for Phantom Menace where you have Obi-Wan and Darth Maul you know lunging at each other in the desert fighting and that never happened in the movie <laughs> I remember seeing that growing up as a kid going wait when did that that why, why is that a thing because that never happened well, it didn't. It's just it was just staged like that because that's what they did. So, and they did the same thing with Force Awakens and Last Jedi. So, that may not be like you may not have a scene where it's Poe and Billy D or P- Poe and Lando or Poe and Billy well. D. Billy D is just too important for his own <laughs> character name. He's just Billy D. Exactly. I'm telling you, just he 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 just well that's, okay. That's so talent. so by that token, then if photos can be staged slash doctored like that we might not actually see ray and kylo duking it out in that particular environment that's true i mean people have pointed that out that's a real possibility or it could be that instead of fighting each other they're fighting someone else a la last jedi oh a common opponent or maybe yeah. they're maybe they're fighting the emperor <laughs> but we just don't see him what if the emperor is this like spirit that is influencing the weather and causing the storm around them? That would be crazy. I mean, I, yeah, I like you. You would have to like close the swords eventually and learn how to manipulate nature more or less. Pretty sure this like, is this is not the first time we've seen lightsabers in rain. I don't think we've ever seen a lightsaber fight in the rain. Let me see. Let we've had, me we've had, see. We've had snow. Well, we've, we've had, had Obi Wan versus we've had Obi Wan versus Django on right. Camino. But Django didn't have a lightsaber. He could have though. Maybe I need to go right rewatch that scene. Well, I've always been curious about the effects of rain on a laser sword. Does it just evaporate onto the laser, or does something that heavy end up influencing see, it? See, so one of the best examples of that isn't even canon and it's in the micro series where Ventress and Anakin are on Yavin 4 and the rain starts coming down and it starts sizzling. And I remember that. So good. It's it's like just visually and sound design which is perfect. I I I remember that and I remember um who was it? Anakin and Kit Fisto and Ahsoka all were able to use their sabers during the Mon Cala arc right. in the Clone Wars. Right, and but, they just—they seem—they didn't seem to have any effect on them. Underwater. Well, but I thought Kit Fisto's was modified, and maybe he had given the specifications on how to modify theirs before they came to Mon Cala. But I think in I could Legends, I think in Legends there was a whole thing about like certain lightsabers couldn't go underwater, and I think. I think maybe George Lucas was like, eh, whatever, they just all work underwater. <laughs> <sighs> That's always the convenient way out, isn't it? There's always a good way, yeah. Um, one more, well, okay, two more things that I noticed from these, and then we got to move on to some of the other material that we got to talk about tonight. Um, we've seen blasters 
and we've seen crossbows, mm-hmm. but we've never seen actual bows used in Star Wars before, have we? It, with the exception of the Ewoks. The yeah, Ewoks okay. had bow and arrows, but I don't know if I necessarily count them. Like, they're a primitive species. They were They were more like glorified slingshots. Basically, yeah. This is like a person who seems to have like a like Jana's um her bow and arrow for lack of a better term it looks it doesn't look like it's it looks it looks more sophisticated it doesn't look like it's like put together like this is she's like some kind of like native of the planet like she it seems like there's some technology there maybe it's like she chose this right it it's not like she's technologically behind it's more like this is her weapon of choice. I and I have a feeling there's going to be something to those arrows. They're not just going to be arrows. They're going to be like Hawkeye, a la, you know, explosive oh, like ex- arrows, like explosive stuff. tips or something yeah, like that. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. Or uh, it turns into a blaster bolt after it shoots out of the out of the bow. Oh, you know what? Another example. <laughs> I'm sorry. I keep proving you wrong here. Um, the only other thing that I can think of with bow and arrows is the Night Sisters in Clone Wars. They had the laser bows. Remember those? You're right. Yeah, you're right. So the only reason the only reason so. I the only reason I didn't remember those is because I watched Massacre all of like two times, and then <laughs> I was like, I had like the crap scared out of me, and I was like, okay, I'm not watching that anymore. Same, same. I was like, nah, not for me. <laughs> I can I can look at. Armies of of undead soldiers charging at you from Game of Thrones, but the zombies from the Clone Wars, those are genuinely creepy, dude. That they poured on the creep fact, creep fact with those oh, things. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just the characters; it was the sound design, it was the lighting, it was the story. You know, the 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 necessity involved in awakening them. The way that they were awakened through rituals and chants and and everything like that, like just everything involved, screamed creep, just creep, creep, creep. And uh, I I watched it once, like the first time that it aired, and then uh, I think I watched it again during a rewatch with my sister. And I'm pretty sure those are like the only two times I've ever watched that episode. <laughs> yes, it it has that effect. It, um, last thing before we get to a couple of uh, other pieces of news. Um, can you remind me? I, I don't have the names down very well yet, mm-hmm. but the character between uh, the image of Hux and the image of Luke. The, um... The helmeted character. Oh, you're talking about uh, good old Carrie Russell. Is um, that who's playing? Okay, okay. The, the, you want to know? You want to know how dated I am? <laughs> Do you want to know just how dated I am? Lay it on me. The first thing that I think of when I hear Carrie Russell's name. Well, first, let me ask you the same question. What do you first think of when you hear the name Carrie Russell? Um, Felicity. Because I watched Patrick Willem's whole series on him watching Felicity, so that's how I remember her. Other than that, I don't have any um, stuff with her. 
Okay. Um, I I had kind of a sheltered childhood, I will admit, but there was this movie that I guarantee would have given me points in a game of one, two, three. <laughs> because it had Carrie Russell, Oliver Platt, and French Stewart all in the same movie. Oh my gosh. Along with... Uh, a, a a former SNL personality, I believe, by the name of Kathy and Jimmy. Hmm. And this movie, such a cluster. <laughs> such such a cluster. Oh my god! I know Carrie Russell. <laughs> I can't even get through this with a straight face. <laughs> that bad, eh? I know Carrie Russell. As the princess from the Sesame Street spinoff Cinder Elmo. What? <laughs> Whoa, okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the only person that knows it from like, that. <laughs> probably. Like, it's a legit thing. You type in Cinder Elmo, and it's a picture of him with, like, these these pointy elf-type shoes or whatever. And and a very, very young Carrie Russell plays the, um, plays the princess. And it's like a 65-minute TV special or something like that. And let me see. Who else is in it? Uh, there's the cast. Um... Let me see. Joey Mazzarino. See Frank Oz. Okay, wow. here's some of the here here's here's the here's the live the live action people. Kathy and Jimmy, Oliver Platt, Carrie Russell, and French Stewart. Oh. Yeah. That's how that's how I know <laughs> Carrie Russell. Thank God I get to know her from Star Wars now because... She's uh she's come a long way, let's put it that way. I mean, from 1999 to 2019, a lot can happen in 20 years, folks. Yes, it can. And now she's playing a character called Zori Bliss, who, for those of you who've seen the picture, um, is this character is in this, like, purple jumpsuit with, like, a lot of metal, like, accessories and a giant metal helmet a lot of people have already pointed out looks a lot like the Rocketeer's helmet. Um, or like a mix of Rocketeer and like Mando maybe. So um, I was thinking like Rocketeer meets Zam Wessel's jumpsuit meets Alien. Just a little bit. It's very thing. Yeah, I, I would say Alien in there too. Yeah, it feels it's very it's very Star Wars, but it's also very out there. And it looks like a character you'd see in the background, except uh, apparently she's going to have a, a starring role in this movie. I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I just hope that she doesn't have a furry red monster as a companion. <laughs> oh my, that would be interesting. Uh, Sorry. I mean, Elm, Elmo could be a, you know, a background character in Star Wars, if we're being honest. I really don't know if I want to think about that. Elmo is just a baby Wookiee. 
No. No. It's canon now. It's canon. No. No. <laughs> I can't have this conversation. There's not enough alcohol in my system. <laughs> oh, no. Well, okay. Let's. Final let... thoughts. Final thoughts on the Vanity Fair album before we go to the next thing. Um, For me, they're stunning. They really are. And it gives me that much more hype for this movie. Um, and they just, I don't know, they, Annie Leibovitz is a master. She just, she owns it, and she always does an incredible job. And I love these photos because, like, we're seeing history right there. We're going to see seeing these pictures forever. They're always going to be around, and, uh, you know, they're part of Star Wars history now. And, you know, whether some of them are real, or some of them aren't, which probably they aren't, but uh doesn't matter that you know you get some just some amazing shots and this is this kind of stuff is to me is more interesting than a trailer to me like you, you get to study these things and wonder about them and you know get these amazing shots and it's always a pleasure i think you hit it home when you said that it's it's always going to be around these images are going to last for years you know, we're getting the movie in a few months, 211 days, you said. Right. But these photos are going to be around long after the movie. Oh, yeah. And we're going to be able to, like, look back eventually at these images and either confirm, oh, yeah, this is about the time when something like this was going to happen. Or it could be completely different and be like, oh, wow, they were really throwing us for a loop and didn't do any of that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'm, I, you know, I, I've I've been excited for the rise of Skywalker, but there's something about a photo, not a not a teaser, not a trailer. The old saying, "A picture's worth a thousand words." Oh, you man. know, I feel like we've proven that in the last half hour or so. <laughs> We've definitely spoken more than a thousand words on this subject. Granted, it's been multiple pictures, but that image is worth a really intense conversation because we don't know the context yet. And who knows? We might never get the context. But until then, it's fun as heck to speculate. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's because like you can get photos like this after the fact after moving go what were they thinking there like you know promo shots are always deceiving a little bit and these are especially deceiving but like i love it like and we and we got those pictures last year or year before last <laughs> it's been a while of carrie fisher and her daughter and like carrie and mark and like some really like just classic photos that now i cherish i know a lot of people cherish um, mm -hmm. And, you know, some of these characters may not even share screen time, and it's still awesome to see them together and, you know, ultimately get these just gorgeous photos that make brilliant wallpaper both for your computer and, yes, if you can get them in high enough resolution on your actual wall. Hadn't thought about that. Now I got to go back and look at these and see if there's anything I can put on my phone. I'm actually due for an upgrade. Me too. I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah, yeah. Gotta, gotta, I, I, when I stop noticing my phone background, that's when I need to change it. Well, okay. So for a while, 
it was in celebration of Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And I had them storming the beach as, like, my background image. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. That one, that one was fun. Uh, more recently, my... Um, my lock screen has been the closed gates of Jurassic Park. Oh, I love that. And then when you get into the phone, on the background of the home screen, the gates are opened. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> I can't take full credit for that, but I did enjoy like seeing somebody else do it, and I was like, okay, I'm borrowing that. Please and thank you. That, but That's yeah. brilliant. There's there's all kinds of creative ways to be with your phone, uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about tonight. We could probably have an entire episode just talking about smartphones if we wanted to. That might be something we do one day. It's like a smartphone review or something like that. That would be interesting. Top five phone wallpapers. Um, hmm. that would be that would be really interesting to try and talk about on a talk radio program and audio we'll, we'll get it there when we get our video feed finally we'll, it's like we'll, it's we'll, like look at this when when podcasting Imagine. when podcasting goes holographic then we can start doing that or if we just ever m- m- like blend our way over to youtube eventually uh i wouldn't recommend that but whatever we'll, we'll see <laughs> i think i'm quite comfortable here seeing all the drama on youtube <laughs> that's true that is true place full of Ugh. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, so moving on to a little something that is completely different, something that we <laughs> we, we we hinted at last week because it was kind of heating up at that point. But uh, this is something that's had the internet on fire at, for the, up until today when we got those Vanity Fair pictures. But apparently, and this is a report from I can't remember who Variety, who says or they said that. Robert Pattinson, who people unfortunately remember him from Twilight series, and yes, he's done a bunch of things since then. Don't judge him on that. He apparently is in the running to play the Batman in The Batman by Matt Reeves. And so this has kind of come through some different reports and different corrections, stuff like that. The biggest one was that WB uh, flat out denied that he was in the running, or at least said that, you know, no, he's not been cast. They didn't necessarily say that he hadn't been auditioned or whatever. I mean, you can imagine pretty much everyone of that stature has been auditioned for this role, but they said that he hasn't been cast. But Pattinson himself came out today or maybe yesterday and said he absolutely cannot talk about that. So... Take that as you will. It seems like, I mean, Variety is not the kind of site that's just going to throw stuff out there. They probably had good reason to. But, like, is it still happening? Was he close? Is this, you know, there's whole back and forth. And, of course, the internet is losing their damn minds over this. Um, and I don't know. I I quite like this choice. What do you think? I, hmm, I really haven't had a whole lot of time to think about what would happen if that was the truth. I've been more following the story itself and people's reactions to it and things like that. Because you know that if it's Variety, they got that information from a credible source. Right. So it had to have been a casting director or it had to have been Pattinson's agent or somebody let it leak 
that he nailed it. And he it's all but sealed up for him, which is why he can, absolutely can't talk about it, because they've got him signed to a non-disclosure agreement. That's how well he did. And so I feel like there's, there's, a, there's a really, really strong potential that this is going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. Right. If this were to actually be the case, I think I'd be intrigued, but I'd wait for like set photos or something or costuming photos or something like that. Because admittedly, I still have PTSD or whatever you want to call it from <laughs> Twilight. Yeah, understand. And even though we saw him as the bravest Hufflepuff in all of Harry Potter, yeah. I I still primarily see him in the Twilight context. And so there's got to be something out there that can help kind of purge the system and kind of get it out of my memory banks a little bit better, maybe. But overall, I don't think it would be a bad choice. I think Affleck was a bad choice. I don't think Pattinson would be a bad choice. A little out there, maybe, but I don't think it would be a bad choice. Yeah, I I mean, I'm coming at this as someone who my only exposure to Pattinson is Harry Potter. Like, right. I haven't seen Twilight. You know, I know everyone on the internet loves to hate on them, and yeah, they're probably bad movies. But he's in a lot of stuff in particular, and I think he's really established himself as an actor. And I was aware of that. I was aware that like he's done a lot of critically acclaimed stuff in the recent years. So I was coming at it from just the standpoint of like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm just like, unlike, <laughs> unlike most people in comment sections on the internet, I tend to go, well, maybe I don't know as well as the casting directors do on this movie. Like, maybe, maybe I should just keep my mouth shut and, and wait to see what happens. But there's already, as we mentioned last week, a a a, <laughs> a, a petition to get him. Even though he hasn't officially signed on to the movie, they want him out. All this kind of crazy stuff, and it's just like. If they cast him, I'll go see it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm game. Like I, I, I'm not, I'm not against the guy. I think if they picked him, if they picked him, they picked him for a good reason. And I think it's a pretty bold choice. And it goes to show that I don't think they're going to pick somebody like that. Just you know, I think it's not an obvious choice. It's not a, I don't know, Army Hammer or whatever. Any any of the the ones that I see, you know, plastered around all the time. Um, he's a choice that no one would pick, but guess what? Nobody would have picked Heath Ledger for the Joker. No one would have picked Michael Keaton for Batman way back in the day. Like, but they were great in those roles. They were possibly the best at those roles. So maybe give Patterson a chance. Well, and in his defense, he has gotten 20 acting roles since Twilight Part 2. Right. And, uh, you know, some of it is stuff that I've never heard of. I'll be I'll be completely honest. I'm looking at his IMDb profile going, I didn't even know this movie existed. But then there's also movies like the uh, the sci-fi horror flick Life, which... Oh, no, that's not... That's a totally different movie. Okay, so there's, there's the sci-fi horror flick Life, and then there's a photographer for Life magazine is assigned to shoot pictures of James Dean. That's the one that Pattinson's in. Mm-hmm. See, it gets really confusing when there's movies with the same name. 
that gets really confusing. <laughs> I'm telling you. But he's he's been in 20, 20 different things since Twilight. He's got a total of 39 credits to his name. So 20 of his 39 credits have come after Breaking Dawn Part 2, way back in 2012. Wow. So he's been busy. He definitely has. And one of the things that he's been working on, actually, it's it's still in filming, but uh, it's it's getting it's getting closer. Um, it's this Christopher Nolan movie uh-huh. by the name of Tenet. Yeah, which we just got details on, I believe, today or yesterday, when they finally revealed the the title and the the full cast. It's it's quite a cast too. I mean, Michael Caine, Kenneth Branagh, Dimple Capadia, Aaron Taylor Johnson, and Clemence Posey. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Probably uh, not, but yeah, she's probably used to it. Along with John David Washington, Pattinson, as we mentioned, and Elizabeth Debicki. Mm-hmm. Like, goodness gracious! You just tell me those types of things. Without even telling me what it's going to be, but, I mean, Ludwig Göransson is going to be the composer. Yeah, he's previous, uh, Nolan's dropping Hans Zimmer for once. Previous, pre- previous work on Black Panther. Yeah. So, And The I Mandalorian, mean, soon to be. Oh really? Yeah. I don't I don't think I, I don't think I connected those two dots, but I do have uh, a little bit of alcohol in my system, so I it may have just slipped my mind. Now, now that you've drawn attention to that fact, people are going to be like, "What what is he slip up now?" <laughs> happy juice. Happy juice. It's a happy fun time, guys. Yay. But yeah. it's not happy tree friends. No. No, speaking of disturbing stuff, no. <laughs> Man. No, do, <laughs> kids, don't Google that, please, for the love of... Did you... Did you... How did, how did you find out about Happy Tree Friends? Who told you to go watch it? I, um, some sadistic friends, I think. They're like, hey, go watch that. And I'm like, oh my god, no, no. Yep, yep. You know who told me to go watch Happy Tree Friends? <laughs> oh, uh, this this person that that you've met who goes by the name of Michelle. Oh, that that makes sense. <laughs> that makes total sense. Yes, she would do something like that. Yep she she told me yeah you need to try it if you like adult shows but with like a a nostalgia for kids animation then you need to try this out and I was like okay that sounds like a good blending of both worlds. And then, like, the first episode, somebody loses an ear in the first two minutes, and I'm like, what am I watching? It just, it dry, I can't stand it when, like, it involves, like, eyeballs and stuff. Yeah. And I'm not going to say what happens, because it'll start grossing you out, guys, and I don't want to lose you as listeners, because I don't want to listen to that, and I don't want to even think about it. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> Oh, that's what happens going off of the rails on a crazy train. Where is Mr. Crazy Train? We need him. Goodness gracious. I, I miss that dude. We need, to get, we need, to, we need to get him back on. We'll, we'll get him back at least before the end of the year, at least. I um, mean, it's May. We've got plenty of time. 
<laughs> well, he's got to be on here for Rise of Skywalker stuff. So, well, you know, absolutely. So, That's we'll, a given. We'll, at the very least, December, but hopefully before that. Um, real quick, I just want to get back to this. Um, and it says that this uh, tenant, which is T E N E T, um, not like David Tennant, without one end, I think. Um, and it says that it's being described as an action epic evolving around the world from for of international espionage. So apparently Christopher Nolan has kind of want to do his own take on Bond since they won't let him do Bond. So this is kind of kind of be, you know, maybe a step back for Nolan, kind of be more grounded in the sense that, you know, won't be, you know, Dunkirk, I guess, was kind of grounded in the way it was the kind of real world, but he's done, you know, Nolan's done Batman and, you know, Interstellar and all these, like, giant epics. This could be something, you know, kind of withdrawn, all, or it could be something really crazy. I've heard great things, so we'll see. Well, I mean, if it's Christopher Nolan, you know that it's going to have a really good score. Oh, it's yeah. going to have a lot of really unique pieces of cinematography. And it's going to have a compelling story that makes you want to see it all the way through to the end. So, you know, that's really the stuff that I need. Those are really the things that I need in a good movie. Everything else is just kind of icing on the cake. Oh, absolutely. You know? absolutely. And you got this cast. Like, the cast is enough to get you in the theater. Like, what you find out that Christopher Nolan's doing it and directing this, like, yeah, this is, this is going to be good. Well, we can only hope. When is it due again? Um, the, the July seventeenth, twenty twenty. So we're still more than a year away from this. We're a year. We're a year out, but quality takes time. Absolutely. He does take, so, He's not. He's not quite as slow as James Cameron, but he takes his time. Well, I mean, you kind of you kind of need to to take your time with quality, right? Exactly. I mean, that that's. That's the essence of quality. Is like, do you want it done quickly or do you want it done right? Egg frickin' exactly. Can't 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 rush art. Quite Why would you? Why would you want to? Like, Take your time. I mean, you look shouldn't. look at what Star Wars is doing. They're taking three years off now. You know, we even talk about that. The fact that you know the whole thing with Avatar and whatever, like you know, waiting is good sometimes. You know, let let them let them take their time and do it right. Well, I mean, we're not going to get feature-length Star Wars movies, but we're going to get Star Wars content over on Disney+. Plus. So we'll still get our fill. It'll just be in different ways. Yes, a lot of stuff happening on over at Disney+, Plus, including including a bunch of Marvel stuff. Ooh, that, that was a good transition. I, I got chills, bro. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw a chance. I took it. Slide Ooh. right into it. Slide. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't Ooh. know if it's actually a good segue if you draw attention to it, but whatever. We're in I'm it. I'm sorry. I got I to gotta give you props where it's due. When you jumped on that, I was like, yes, sir. That was beautiful. <laughs> Make me proud. All right, so as I mentioned... A lot of Marvel stuff happening. Of course, Mandalorian is coming. Cassian shows coming. Um, that's with Star Wars. But for Marvel, we've got WandaVision, which is going to be Vision and Scarlet Witch show. Um, there's a Loki show. And then on top of that, we've got the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is the other thing, which is 
interesting. I don't know when this is going to be set. Of course, what we're about to talk about may kind of decide when this is going to be set. But being that, spoiler alert, the Falcon is now Captain America. So, you know, what could that mean for the character? What that could mean for this series? Who knows? We got Falcon, you know, uh, Anthony Mackie. I was thinking of Sam Wilson, but that's the character name. Um, And we got Sebastian Stan, both back as their characters. titles, uh, characters, I should say. Um, and then we've got Kari Skogland. I know I'm probably butchering that. Um, she's going to be directing, I believe, all six parts of this uh, limited series. Um, and she has, she's already worked on with Marvel with The Punisher, and she also worked on The Walking Dead. But the biggest thing here is the fact that there's two new cast members apparently that have joined the show. Um, apparently we've got Daniel Brühl, who is best known as Zemo from Captain America Winter Soldier. Winter, not Winter Soldier, Civil War. And Good job. I, I saved it, I saved it. And we've also got Emily Van Camp, Agent 13, from both uh, Winter Soldier and Civil War. And the person that Captain America was... Uh, going out with until he went back and and married her aunt which is kind of weird we don't talk about that anyway did they get married though apparently who said did the russo brothers say apparently one of the writers came out and said oh yeah by the way the 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 husband that peggy is talking about in winter soldier is steve from the future damnation I don't know why they got to confirm this stuff. Just let us theorize, please. I could have died peacefully not knowing that. (laughs) I was perfectly satisfied with the theory that he went there just for the dance and then went and fulfilled his duty. Yeah, writers Ah. ruin everything. These writers... You got to be too clever sometimes. I know, they just can't, can't keep their damn mouth shut. Anyway... We got Zemo, we got uh, Sharon Carter. I mean, that's pretty interesting, get, getting two of those and what they could be doing with, with Zemo. I love Zemo. I think he's one of the best villains the MCU has produced. Um, and he's just a dude. He's just a dude, but he managed to turn the Avengers against each other. That just fascinates me. So what that could mean for this series, what's going to be happening, is the fact that we've got, you know, kind of the all the side characters from... Winter Soldier and Civil War. Does that mean this is this set between Civil War and and Endgame, maybe, or maybe even pre Civil War? I don't know. I, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could go with this because it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't falcon and winter soldier kind of have a little bit of a rocky start to their relationship and then things turned out better the deeper into the mcu we got well yeah they like well they had the moment can you move your seat up no like they really like it was kind of clash of the clash of the sidekicks like you know bucky is 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 cap's right hand man for a while and then bucky dies quote unquote and then you know Cap gets a new sidekick with with the uh, Falcon, and then Bucky shows back up, and they're kind of like, you know, like oh, there's not room enough, big enough for the two of us sidekicks, and they're kind of at each other's throats and saying, oh, I hate you, and they're fighting Spider-Man and all this kind of stuff. Um, and you know, you get to 
he just to Infinity War, they seem to be on pretty good terms. Um, so maybe that's about this. Maybe that's about kind of them coming through and figuring things out between themselves. And, you know, what I'm, I'm wondering is like, if this is set, like the easy thing to do is just set it post end game. And, you know, you have them kind of figuring things out and it's, you know, it, it would make sense that caps not around, but if you do it before end game, then you have the whole, well, where is cap? What is he doing? Or do you, do you do the obligatory Chris Evans um, cameo, which I don't think is going to nah. happen. I, I, I think he's done. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here's here's the interesting thing. The format. Six-episode miniseries. Mm-hmm. It implies that there's one story that's going to be told over the course of six episodes... And those six episodes are going to be pretty synchronous in their uh, in their in their episode length and the way that they transition from one to the next. It's not like you're going to get a, get a whole lot of time jumps or anything like that. Like right. you're going to be paying attention to one story for a certain amount of time. It's essentially like getting a double feature movie or something, if you will, because each episode is going to be anywhere from forty five minutes to an hour at least. You can assume, So yeah. we're getting close to five to six hours, possibly six and a half of content covering this one story that needs to be told. But as far as speculating what that one story could be, maybe you need Zemo for something and you break him out. Maybe, um, maybe it is something that's set before Infinity War. Maybe it's something that's set, you know, just after it. The, the possibilities are definitely out there, but it's a matter of what they want to do with the MCU now. Yeah, it's, you know, I think it's it's probably going to be, if I had to guess, this is probably going to be pre-Infinity War. Obviously, you have a lot of time to deal with there in regards to they're kind of out there on the run, and they're doing kind of their, you know, Secret Avengers thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Wanda's kind of in and out of the picture and, you know, she's kind of, you know, spending time with Vision, whatever. Like, you could have, like, okay, you know. But, you know, it's funny, now that I'm thinking about it, that actually doesn't work. Because Winter Soldier, Bucky, is in Wakanda that whole time. That's true. He's not with the Avengers. He's not hanging out with with, uh, Black Widow and Cap and Falcon. So, maybe, because I'm thinking, like, this has to be, because they're calling it the Falcon, it has to be pre-Endgame, but maybe it isn't. Maybe this is post-Endgame. Maybe this is going to be about Falcon kind of coming into his own as the the new Captain America, and Winter Soldier's kind of there to help him out. Like I said, possibilities are endless. It could be pre-Civil War before Bucky has to go live in Wakanda. Yeah, maybe, but I don't think like like Bucky seems to be pretty like he's he's on the run and they've been searching for him for so long. Like they kind of talk about that in the movie. So yeah. I don't know how they would work that out that like Falcon's been hanging out with him like all the time. I mean, they they could I mean, they could easily retcon something, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't know. Like th- there could be you know, there could be some dialogue in there where we're just not we're just missing that Ultimately, could explain away this pretty easily and make that opening for 
whatever the series. I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's post Endgame. I think that's the most interesting option. Um, but you also have to consider that you know there's a lot of space, several years in between these movies where they could fit this stuff in. Well, the other thing is. They may have wanted to grab people's attention and let them know that these are some things that Disney Plus is looking at doing. And maybe the closer to the release we get, the name will change. That's also true. Maybe it'll be Cap and Winter Soldier. I don't know. Like, something along those lines. You know, I, I don't know, like... That's just interesting to me. I, like, I've Sam Wilson's always been one of my favorite characters, so, like, seeing him get the, you know, the, the shield and is was I was really glad to see that and then you know I'm ultimately looking forward to a fourth Captain America movie with him in the lead but this could be better this could be something really interesting to kind of get and you're going to get more screen time and more story and more acting and more everything from a series than you would ever get from a movie well and I can't help but wonder if considering everything that Bucky has lost can't help but wonder if he's going to lose Sam at some point as well. Well, you know, and there has been this there has been this debate back and forth between fans because some people were and in the comics it's gone both ways. Winter Soldier has become Captain America, Sam Wilson has become Captain America. And people were kind of like who's going to get the shield at the end, you know, at the end of the end game, Caps there, he passes the baton. And it seems like Winter Soldier, you know, Bucky is in on it. He's like, go, go ahead. Like, he seems to support Sam, um, which is an interesting kind of play because we don't really get a whole lot from Bucky, really, in any of the movies. Like, he's kind of this character that doesn't get a lot of, you know, not a whole lot of screen time, not a whole lot of lines, especially not since um, First Avenger. So he made the most, he made the most of his lines, though. He did. He did, man. Who the hell is Bucky? Like, you dat. That dude, not, not 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 just not even not just that though. Did did you catch on to the uh, to to the the symmetry of the quotes when Cap's getting ready to go into yes. the time machine? I love like, it. Don't do anything stupid while I'm gone. And Bucky says, "How can I? You're taking all the stupid with you." That is the exact same exchange that happens in the first Avenger. When Bucky is heading off for whatever it is, boot camp, I guess, or no, training, something like that, he says the same thing to Steve, who's being left behind, and Steve says, how can I? You're taking all the stupid with you. I love it. That is... Like, it harkens all the way back to, like, 2010, 2011. My gosh, dude, they pay attention to detail. Gotta give them props for that. Oh, it's incredible. So... Yeah, I need to watch Endgame about ten more times just to catch all the, the references like that. Because that one went over my head. Because I haven't seen the first Avenger in so long. But they were paying attention. The writers were. But getting back to my point really quick. Um, like, of course, Cap, you know, Falcon is Captain America now. But at the same time, like, down the line, you know, Winter Soldier may take the mantle himself someday. What if See, something, that's, something that's, happens that's what I that's That's what I was getting at is... Bucky's lost so many important people in his life. It's entirely possible that he ends up losing Sam at some point as well, and he has to take on the mantle of Captain America himself. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally possible. I would love to see that, I think. You know, obviously, 
I think logically and like just out of universe character speaking, like Winter Soldier is a better fit for that role because he's a super soldier and like he's really strong and he's got this kind of, you know, he's a more compelling character in the sense that he's got a lot of baggage. Um, whereas we don't really know a whole lot about Sam Wilson, but understand from an in universe perspective, like Sam Wilson is as close as it gets to a, you know, a, a, a good, a good hearted person, someone who is, you know, really, you know, closer to Steve Rogers in regards to being this, you know, really, you know, upstanding individual. That was a very nice way of saying it. Very, very politically correct. <laughs> I'm saying he didn't. He hadn't killed anybody. Ah, uh, okay. I mean, I see where you're going with it. He's not. But... He has, he didn't go on. He he wasn't killing people for like 70 years as a as an assassin like Bucky was. I'm just saying. Okay, but by the comics, it should have been Bucky first. True. True. But I think I think Bucky still has, like he's just coming out of like getting the 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 that out of his system. Like I think he needs a little more time for that, and I think he's he's gonna be around for a while. I think we're gonna see. I think he has some interesting stuff to do as Winter Soldier, and maybe he'll become a part of the Avengers or whatever, and then eventually he'll get the shield. We need to lock him down. For a Luke Skywalker origin film before he's too damn old to do it. Hell yes. The dude is is Mark Hamill's son from another mother. Or whatever. I don't, know how, I don't know how that works. It's like Mark Hamill found a portal from one universe to another. And in order to not conflict with the actual Mark Hamill of this universe, he changed his name to Sebastian. <laughs> They have like I saw like a huge comparison photo of them too, like yep. he's so close. Like you Photoshop Sebastian's face onto a picture of Luke Skywalker, it looks like a better version of Luke Skywalker. <laughs> it's crazy, hey, man. You've got thirty years between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. So much good story stuff there. There totally is. Totally do it. Is. Speaking of Disney Plus series, do it! Right? That would be one that I would watch before I watch the Cassie and Andor series, but whatever. <laughs> well, see, ahead of myself. And see, then you get Finn Wolfhard has Kylo Ren, Ben Solo. Because he would be perfect. You have then young... Millie Bobby Brown with a Leia story. Maybe. Maybe. That's, that's one I've legit heard has <laughs> been floating around is a young Leia story. That might happen one day. But what would that be? Just like sparking the rebellion and causing mischief in the Imperial Senate? I think there's a lot of good stuff on Alderaan. Like, I don't know if you ever read Princess of Alderaan, the book. Really good book. And I don't know. There's a lot of mythology. We really haven't done much with, with Alderaan in that planet. We really haven't seen much of Alderaan. So, like, I would love to get into I think there's kind of a reason for that. I mean, yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. <laughs> I get that. I mean, you know, uh, we, you know, literally the first movie it gets blown to smithereens before we even get to the service. But you know, that is here, no, neither here nor there. We need more Alder and we need more Leia. I don't disagree. From from the stuff that I remember, Alderaan's a very beautiful planet. Oh heck yeah! Like, like it's, it's, it's a always... place. If it didn't blow up, you would it would be a place you want to live. 
It'll be like a destination, like a destination vacation type spot or something like that. Oh, heck yeah. Speaking of destinations, we are going to go to a quick commercial break and then talk about a very special destination for a very special film. Just on the flip side of this newsreel discussion here on episode 239 of the IPC Podcast. This is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey, y'all! This is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld, about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and so much more. I record it with my friends Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all about it. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. Hey, guys, I am so nostalgic for mall packaging, and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh? And we are back here on the IPC Podcast, continuing our discussion of all the relevant news and releases and updates from different galaxies. And one particular galaxy that has been a favorite of ours here on the show is reportedly hitting up some big destinations to accommodate their very big creatures. Rumor has it that there is some filming happening outside of Dublin, Ireland for one Jurassic World 3. Something that I feel like we haven't talked about a lot lately is is the Jurassic franchise. It's and, true. And, and it was, it's, I mean, understandably dormant after Fallen Kingdom, but now we're starting to see things heat up. And apparently since January, they've been shooting in and around Dublin for Jurassic World 3, which doesn't even have a title yet. And even 
Bryce Dallas Howard was in an interview. She was she's in Rocket Man apparently. I didn't even know she was in that movie. Um, I want to see Rocket Man. I've heard good, good things about it. Taron Egerton is great, and I think he's going to nail it as thing. And I've heard good. So things. it's it's funny. They showed um, a picture of the set to Elton John, and it had Taron dressed up in a particular outfit, doing a particular thing. I think he was sitting on a couch or something like that. And Elton looked at the picture and said, when was this taken? I don't remember this. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he legit thought that that was him doing something from the past in that photo. Oh, my gosh. So That's amazing. That, that is how on point Taryn has nailed this role. And I think it's so funny that the two of them built a relationship from Kingsman to the Golden Circle. Yeah, he was in that, wasn't he? I forgot about that. Elton John was like the damsel in distress that they had to go rescue in that movie. Yeah, because Mark Hamill was in the first one, and then they got Elton John in the second one. Yeah, he was. He had a very brief appearance as Professor Arnold, and I was like, what? (laughs) That was was a lot of fun. Wow. But it's it's interesting, going back to uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, having a role in Rocket Man, but also having a role in the Jurassic franchise, obviously. Um, from our friends at JurassicOutpost.com, while Bryce didn't outright confirm the rumors, she more or less telegraphed the answer is yes. But what are these rumors we missed back in January? Geek Ireland reports they filmed outside Dublin in an accessible but forested location. Speaking of dinosaurs, dinosaur animatronics have been spotted at this location, meaning it will almost certainly be featured in action sequences as opposed to simple pickups and establishing shots. Um, Due to the aforementioned non-disclosure agreement, we cannot specify which species feature just yet, but re-watching the end of Fallen Kingdom should give you a good idea. Very specific props from Fallen Kingdom have also been spied on set, including the presence of a character who has appeared in both Jurassic World films in the Irish shot scenes. Try and say that three times fast. Irish shot scenes. Irish shot scenes. I'm, I'm going to say I'm gonna say a curse word eventually if I don't... <laughs> like... <laughs> Irish shot scenes. Oh, man. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're working on this in January of 2019... For a film that's not supposed to release until 2021. Yeah, they're 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 working ahead, but like, you know, this is supposed to be, you know, we got a lot of endings this year with, you know, Game of Thrones and Star Wars, and you know, this this one could definitely be the the type of movies that ends kind of uh, is going to be a big ending for the Jurassic franchise as well. Who said anything about ending? I think it's just getting started, bub. You could that that also could be the case. Honestly, like the way Fallen Kingdom and you know, I have my opinions about that movie, but like that ending was the best thing they've done in that franchise in so long. Like it was so intriguing to where they could go from there. I will take Fallen Kingdom over Jurassic Park 3 anytime. Any day, anywhere. You and me both. You and me both. Uh, I'm excited for Jurassic World, but bummed that nothing's happening for another couple of years. But there's definitely some other stuff that's going to be a little bit sooner than that. In fact, 
something that is coming up on the 4th of July. That's how quickly it's coming up on us. Uh-huh. We are getting the third installment of Stranger Things this summer. Ooh, yep. And it's interesting because the previous two seasons have been fall releases. They've been, they've been coming out in like the October region, I believe. So for this one to be coming out in July is already rather unprecedented. But then we find out that pretty much the entire season is going to be set during summertime in Hawkins. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Is it cool? Or, or maybe it's hot. It maybe it's hot, right? See what I did there? Okay. But uh, not even 48, 72 hours ago, the uh, the official YouTube page released what appears to be a clip. I, I'm, I'm assuming it's kind of a teaser clip that doesn't really give anything away, obviously, but it's more of a it's scene, still interesting. Yeah. It, it's still interesting to watch because, um, who is it? Max's brother? It's, dang, I, I heard his name in the clip when I watched it earlier, and now I can't remember it. Um, it's his, her jerk older brother with the mullet. Yeah, the mullet. Jeez. <laughs> that mullet. That mullet, though. Ugh, I'm trying to I'm trying to look for so the so 80s, so 80s. Well, okay. They also used um, Stray Cats rock this town. Yep. I was I was I was so happy about that because I just I just I really like that type of classic rock, like that old school rock that you would hear in the diners and stuff. That's basically what that is. Billy. Billy's uh, his name. Billy's his name, yeah. But Stray Cats Rock This Town. I'm going to do another throwback real quick because the first time I heard that song was when I played the original PlayStation 2 Cars racing video game. Oh. They made a video game that had like a story mode where you could do like street races and stuff and piston cup races as characters from the movie Cars. And it actually had, like, really good world building. Like, as far as... uh, It it, it probably wasn't as expansive as as, uh, Minecraft, but it was probably what I would call the Cars equivalent of something like Skyrim. Oh. The, the, The story mode, you could explore all of Radiator Springs and the surrounding valley. And then there were like two other maps you could go to. Like if you're leaving Radiator Springs, you could go into another town like Ornament Valley. Hmm. And so there were a total of three maps and there were different races you could participate in, but you didn't always have to race. You could just explore that part of the valley if you wanted to. It was like open world, really. It was very open world. It was very, very open world. Like, more open world than just about any PlayStation 2 game I ever played. Wow. It was fan-freaking-tastic. Because you had about 20 different cars you could race as. Everything from the the jock Wingo, who has, like, the really huge tail fin that you see at the beginning of the movie. Everything from that to the king from the Piston Cup races. You could be any one of those guys racing in these different races and they each had about 10 or 12 different paint jobs you could choose from so there was a lot of customization involved as well 
But when you were playing those races or when you were playing that story mode, they would have like car related songs playing in the background. So one of them was like White Knuckle Ride by Leonard Skinner. Which is a like most people know Leonard Skinner for Sweet Home Alabama, but I knew him for White Knuckle Ride. <laughs> and then the Stray Cats, Rock This Town, was another one of the songs that they had on their uh, on their playlist. And so you could be driving through Radiator Springs and you would hear Rock This Town by the Stray Cats playing. Nice. So as soon as I saw this uh, Stranger Things clip. And I heard it playing in the background. I was like, oh my gosh, it reminds me of the Cars video game. It's, amazing, all... it's amazing how things like that just bring you back like these really obscure memories. I love it when that happens. Oh, dude, I want to go back and play that game now. <laughs> like, I need, to, I need to get my hands on a gently used uh, PlayStation 2 and just go back and, and play some of those games. I've got the... Uh, original uh, LucasArts Battlefront 2 saved my Xbox One, but I need to get like a couple of other video games and just put them on my PlayStation 2 and and play those again because I, I need I need a throwback, man. I have I, a, I have a very heavily used PS2 <laughs> right behind me. <laughs> hey, that's the only type of of use a PlayStation 2 should be having. Uh, in my opinion, it was it was peak. Video gaming, right there. Great stuff. Great stuff. It's so let's talk. So... Let's talk about. Let's talk about the clip. Yeah. Let's let's talk about the clip because, like we said, not a whole lot happening, but, but also a lot happening. <laughs> apparently, you know, we don't see any of the starring kids. We we don't see Eleven. We don't see Mike. We don't see you know anybody that is like of any relevance. We see Billy kind of doing the changing of the guard for the lifeguards at the local pool. And we see the mamas making sure that they are showing off their new swimsuits to him when he walks by. Yeah. Including Mike's mom. <laughs> so Mrs. Wheeler is uh, out. She's and, uh, looking. She's, uh, well, okay, it's not totally unprecedented considering the flirtation that happened in the second season, but it's just, I don't know if that's a storyline I really want to be giving any attention to. You know, there's so many other things going on in Hawkins that are are worth noting that Mrs. Wheeler getting a, a 18 year old side piece. I just don't know if that's something that I need a whole lot of information about. Yeah, that wasn't necessarily like you've had the whole, you know, drama between Jonathan and, you know, uh, what's his name? Um, there's a comment in the thing that that I love. The, the best comment in the in this YouTube video is Jonathan, Mr. Steal Your Girl. Steve, Mr. Steel, your kids. Billy, Mr. Steel, your wife. Yep. <laughs> Each season, much. she keeps amping it up, and uh, we're about to have Billy just about to be a homebreaker, man. Because, um, uh, yeah, apparently, uh, I just hope I just hope Billy can, can have more growth this season, because that was my only complaint about his character last season. He was just like... He was an absolute douchebag at the start of the season, and he was pretty much a douchebag at the end of it. And, you know, at least Steve has had, like, the best character arc ever. 
Like that guy has been through so much. Yeah, he has. He he he's gone from jock to an actual nice dude, but I don't think that's what's intended for Billy's character. Like he yelled at a kid for walking fast, and he's like, "You run while you're on my watch again, you're banned for life. You you want to be banned for life? Yeah, I didn't think so. Like, really, really." I, I don't know, like, I I can see him being, like, really, really nice to the people that he wants to be nice to, putting on a good face for them, but then also being really, really mean to the people that he wants to be mean to, which is, like, a classic bully. Right. And so, you know, now that Steve has gotten his character development, you've got to have some quasi-antagonist that isn't an alien from another dimension. I think that purpose is meant to go to someone like Billy and he's just going to end up fulfilling that purpose this season yeah should be should be interesting I'm still looking forward to this I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this new season I think Stranger it's, it's going to be set in a mall basically that's the best part I mean I, I love I love the settings for one thing I love that it's coming out a few months sooner so I've got time to watch it you know during summer break you know, there's definitely some benefits to to this particular uh, timing and this particular pacing, but I I just want to know what the story's like because in season two, Eleven met up with some other powered people and then just kind of left them a little bit. So I would like to see a reunion with them at some point. You know? Yeah, make or, that make that one episode less pointless. <laughs> or a or a situation where it's too big for Eleven to handle on her own, so she has to call for reinforcements. Yeah. You know, something like that. They set something up with that episode. That's got to come back at some point. It's got to work its way back around, and I feel like it will this season. It's just a matter of how. Yeah. So, I'm I'm excited. Like I said, July the 4th, Stranger Things 3. Uh, I don't think they call them seasons. They don't no, call it just, season it's just two, Stranger season Things 3, which is like... I understand because, like, on Netflix, they're kind of like, everyone binges it. They're all released at the same time. Like, it's just basically like a, you know, 13-hour movie, you know, split up into sections. I mean, that's kind of what I'm hoping that The Mandalorian will end up being. I'm hoping against it. Not, no offense, but I, I'm, I'm hoping not that. I'm hoping they, they spread it out a bit. But we'll see. Well. Well, okay, I know for a fact that it's not going to be all the episodes dropped at once. Like, that's that's pretty much all but been confirmed. Because, from a business perspective, people would just sign up for Disney Plus for like a week or a month or whatever, binge the stuff that they want to binge, and then drop it a month later. True. That That's basically what I'm doing with HBO right now. <laughs> so... By having these episodes spread out weekly or bi-weekly or whatever, you're forcing people to get at least two months in. You've got you've to have them paying for at least two months. And hopefully by then they've found enough other material that they feel like justifies keeping it on a more permanent basis. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, it's definitely but better once, it, once it is all the way out... And you do have every episode at your disposal. Vroom, going through them like that, 
I'm hoping that they all play together well enough that once they are all out there, I can go back to back to back to back, you know, whatever, and watch all of them in sequence and make for, like, one really great binge. Yeah, it would be... It would be interesting just to watch Stranger Things like that because no one does that. No one watches them like one per week. Like everyone just goes, oh, zip, you know, one episode, one episode, one episode until they're done. Like it would be a completely different experience if this was a syndicated show on TV and was aired like once a week like a normal television show would be. Like it would be completely different. So like... It's interesting how, like, all this plays together, and like we talked about with, like, Clone Wars. Clone Wars plays, I think, I think some arcs didn't resonate as much as they could have been because they were 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes every week. I think the Embar arc is a really good arc, one of the best, but split up, it doesn't, it isn't as good. I think if you watch it all the way through, just spend the an hour, you know, hour and a half, whatever it takes to to binge all the way through it, it works a lot better. So it just it's different how different stories or whatever. So it may, hopefully they'll base it on that, and not just like you know marketing perspectives. But at the same time, I I want you know string me along. You know I'm greedy. I want anything at once. So so don't indulge me like that. Oh boy, I am still of the opinion that streaming is a fad that is on its way out in the next three to five years. Like streaming altogether? Yes. What's going to replace it? Uh, downloads. Really? Like legitimate downloads that you save to like a external hard drive or save to the cloud or something like that. But my theory is people have been asking for like a buffet style for so long because they didn't want to pay for cable. Mm Mm-hmm. And streaming services are finally offering that. But everything that you want is in so many different locations that eventually it's going to cost as much as cable. Yeah, it, it's it's getting you're, to the point. You're paying for Amazon here. You're paying for uh, Hulu over here for this, for this show. You're paying for your live TV on YouTube. You're paying for... Uh, you know, you're paying for Netflix. You're paying for uh, CBS All Access. You're paying for HBO. It piles up, man. It's a lot of it, money. It, it really piles up. And here's the funny thing. Two of the top five shows that are streamed on Netflix, like two of the most five uh, popular shows are Friends and The Office. Which <laughs> is... Those are like 20 years old. <laughs> which is syndicated programming. Exactly. So if you're paying like twelve ninety nine a month... For access to shows like Friends, Parks and Rec, The Office, uh, you know, things like that, you could buy the entire series online for about 60 bucks. Yeah, you, you, for, you're going to spend like however many much a month, like you may as well just buy it if that's all you're going to use. Exactly. And that's where downloads come in, is if you've got a particular thing that you want to watch, then eventually... Much like MP3 was for uh, for music, you know, if you didn't want to buy an entire album, you could just buy an individual song. If you don't want everything that Netflix has to offer, you can just buy the one series that matters the most to you and have it at your disposal whenever you want to after a one-time purchase. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely, 
that could be a thing in the future because, you know, but and you know, you have iTunes and all this kind of stuff now, um, and people, you know, people, and I think still like as much as we think that physical stuff, we're just talking about like friends, like by just buying the stuff on on DVD is is way more better financially, but like I think it's gonna come back around. People are gonna miss not having the discs right there that they can go to and, and as opposed to oh it was taken off Netflix I can't watch it anymore no I have the discs I can get that I think the physical stuff may make a resurgence too at some point well I mean I'm a little ahead of the game <laughs> if we're if we're gonna go down this rabbit hole uh, I just found a whole bunch of bargains at the bargain bin at my local Best Buy, and I picked up like six or seven movies Ooh. and added them to my collection. I found the likes of Logan's Run. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. No, I have not. I think it's on Amazon, but I bought a hard copy after watching it on Amazon because I really enjoyed it. The opening sequence is a very uh, futuristic setting, and it's also rather dystopian because... Um, you are cold when you hit the age of 30 oh, okay. in this in this society. And somebody is like 29 and doesn't want to die and tries to figure out what life outside this society might look like. And it's it's really interesting. But the, the cool part is the opening sequences have pavilions and train tracks and things that greatly resemble the set to the 2015 Jurassic World. Oh, like the sets from this 70s movie look a lot like some of the overhead shots that we get of the park in Jurassic World. Wow, that's cool. It's it's pretty interesting. So I got that. I found a Blu-ray of V for Vendetta, which I've only had on on DVD for the last, you know, five or six years. Yeah. So I got I, I upgraded that. I found the Incredible Hulk for four bucks. Oh, are we talking movie? I'm talking the movie. Okay. The part of the, the 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 abomination that is sadly <laughs> a part of the MCU. Uh, so not the Ang Lee Hulk. I, no, not the Ang Lee. It's it's the Edward Norton. And even my brother made note of this. It was so interesting. I didn't feel like my brother paid a whole lot of attention to MCU movies, but when I showed him like my collection of stuff that I bought, he looked at it and he looked at the cast list and he said to me you know, it's a, it's a, it's a shame that Edward Norton's in this movie, and not um, Mark Ruffalo. He's absolutely right. Like he paid enough attention to that to be able to notice. I was like, okay, yeah, you're right. I wish Ruffalo was in it too. I found both of the 20th Century Fox original Fantastic Four movies. Oh wow. I found the Fantastic Four and Rise of the Silver Surfer, both for four bucks each on DVD. So I'm going to go back and look at Chris Evans as the Human Torch before he shows up as Captain America. <laughs> and then I found this movie that my friend Sage introduced me to. We had him talking Revenge of the Sith with us last week. But over on the Fandom Fraternity podcast about a year or two ago, we talked about this Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman movie called Seven. And it's like a horror-slash-thriller type of mystery movie that's really, really interesting. Hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a, like a series of murder mysteries that are surrounding each of the seven deadly sins. Oh. 
And so, like, a few of the first murders are surrounding things like uh, greed and sloth and gluttony and things like that. And then they, like, do this process, process of elimination to figure out what's left and then try and anticipate the killer's moves before he strikes again with the next deadly sin. Interesting. So, yeah, I picked up those six movies... And when I added them to my collection, in addition to movies like Napoleon Dynamite, <laughs> I found out that uh, my collection has hit 275 movies on disc. Wow. Most impressive. 275 and a minimum of 60 various seasons of different TV shows. Damn. Everything from the one season of Firefly to all seven seasons of Game of Thrones. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, when you're talking about hard copy stuff, my friend that I had uh, coffee with this morning, he said, dude, you could have your own blockbuster eventually if you wanted to. Hey, if you need to make some extra money on the side, just, I was you like, just start renting them out. I was like, hey, I could I could rent these things out for like two or three bucks a pop, depending on if it's DVD or Blu-ray. That's not a bad Blockbuster's idea. Blockbuster's not a thing anymore, so you could just say it's Blockbuster, and they couldn't get you for copyright. That's true. If they don't exist anymore, I could get the copyright to Blockbuster. Exactly. Ooh. See, there you go. You just you we, we just developed a, a whole business concept for you. You you heard it here first, folks. Episode two thirty nine. We are revamping and revitalizing and bringing back Blockbuster. <laughs> we're gonna revive. We're gonna revive a classic brand and become millionaires on top of it. Even hey, just ignoring could, the fact that that brand went out for a reason. <laughs> I could I could retire on that money before it goes under. Put everything in a savings account before we go bankrupt. Yeah. Yep. And then, just don't, I then just, just don't try and save the company. I'd just be like, eh, we had a good run. One of the best or worst stories I've ever heard is the fact that Blockbuster at one time had the 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 chance Opportunity. To, to buy Netflix. Yep, yep. I remember For, like, that. not very much money. Like, Netflix wasn't very big at the time. Like, $30 million or something like, like that. Blockbuster was pretty much at the top of their game. Netflix was just coming up. And they're like, nah, we don't need Netflix. So you know, you just, just you know, home delivery DVD thing. We don't need that. Um, and uh, now look what happened. I just, ugh. such a such an interesting concept. Our friend uh, Matthew Hardy, who's actually joining us live, we actually have a live listener with us. We recorded on a different day, and people still showed up. He says, you, you uh, bring back Blockbuster, and then you get Breed Larson to crash into it in Captain Marvel 2. <laughs> there you go. See, you gotta, you gotta you gotta get, you know, Captain Marvel's coming out on DVD or Blu-ray now, so you gotta get that uh, synergy going. Yeah, I need Ant-Man and the Wasp, and then I'm gonna need Captain Marvel and uh, Endgame. But other than that, I have the entire MCU on disc. There you go. Good selling point. So... It's like you want to you want to do an MCU binge. I'm your guy. Bam, bam. Uh, How did we get on that? <laughs> I have no idea. But we were talking about different streaming services, and there's one particular streaming service that landed a uh, pretty big, pretty important name today. Uh, it was confirmed not even two hours ago that uh, one of the top uh, executive producers and directors from Game of Thrones, Brian Cogman, 
He directed the second episode of the final season, I believe, um, A Night in the Seven Kingdoms. And Mm. anybody that's seen it knows that it's almost like a tribute to some of your favorite characters. You know, they, they like everybody has a moment, if you will, in that episode. And when they did like an interview with him after that episode aired, he pretty much said, I had an idea for a spinoff and uh, HBO turned it down. So that episode was like my farewell to the franchise. So he's done with Game of Thrones. And luckily for Amazon, he still wants to work. And they have officially picked him up as a consultant slash producer for the Lord of the Rings TV series that Amazon is in production for. Hmm. Interesting. So you go from one medieval franchise with Game of Thrones to another one that is in a very similar vein, just on a different platform. And I, I know that not a whole lot has been discussed about the uh, the Amazon TV series or anything like that. <clears throat> but uh, this this is just it's it feels like such a right step for me. Somebody that has this kind of experience, somebody that's worked on such an iconic franchise, helping lift this new franchise off the ground from from the first level, you know, from the ground level up. Right. It's it seems like something that is just meant to be, and so I'm I'm very on board with this choice. Yeah, that seems like a good fit. Really does. Uh, let's see. Um, in a joint statement from J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, they said, The rich world that J.R.R. Tolkien created is filled with majesty, heart, wisdom, and complexity. We are absolutely thrilled to be partnering with Amazon to bring it to life anew. We feel like Frodo setting out from the Shire with a great responsibility in our care. It is the building or the beginning of the adventure of a lifetime. So they are uh, the the uh, the headmen, I believe. They're the, they're the top dogs working on this new franchise, and uh, they were also working on the fourth Star Trek movie at a time for a while as well. Oh, so okay. They they've got a little bit of a of a sci fi fantasy background as well, and Cogman's going to be working with them. So you know. Like I said, not a whole lot is known about this franchise. I believe it's implied that there's going to be some adventures of Aragorn uh, before the Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, I've heard it's young Aragorn related or starring or something. Something along those lines, yes. But it's just it's so vague and unfinished, which leaves room for a lot of expression and creativity, which is something that Cogman is absolutely very good at. Um, just thinking back on some of the other episodes that he's directed, he is really, really good at building uh, character development. He really knows how to write character development. He really knows how to direct those people into growing beyond who they were supposed to be at the beginning. Um, really, really hands-on and good with actors and actresses so uh it feels like a good fit i'm excited for him oh yeah that's that's yeah you can't get i mean say what you will about this last season of game of thrones but you know the quality the special effects 
really has been there. So anybody involved with that getting to come over to uh, Lord of the Rings, which seems like, you know, really kind of a similar but different. I feel like, you know, it's definitely something that I think uh, feels like a good fit. Well, it's it's just another world for him to be able to sink his teeth into and let the creative juices flow. And I think that's what I'm most excited about. Absolutely. Um, whew, we've covered a lot. We have. We have. <laughs> we've, we've covered a lot. And we wouldn't be able to cover anything or discuss anything without the likes of people who help contribute financially to the program. People like Joey Mays, Jake Damon, Rachel Perry, Dan Grievous, and Parker Ott. Those guys uh, send in a little bit, not a whole lot, but a little bit per month towards the podcast and helps take care of some bare necessities. Things like uh, covering our hosting site, Podbean, and uh, we put a little bit towards the cost of Netflix because we both use the same Netflix account and that kind of thing. But uh, without you guys, we would not be able to do what we do. So thank you very much for contributing to the show. And if you're interested in becoming a contributor and uh, financially supporting IPC, it only goes as high as five U.S. dollars a month. It's not a lot. I have gotten lattes from Starbucks that are more expensive than that. (laughs) If you're interested in helping out the show for one Starbucks drink per month, then go visit patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast. Indeed. Oh, man. It's a little bit of a shorter night, but not too much shorter. I mean, we're already over an hour and a half. Coming up on two hours, but I don't think we'll make it all the way to two hours. You know, uh, it's it'll be shorter than two weeks ago, but probably longer than last week. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I may have to double check. But I have a feeling that four hours and 16 minutes may actually be the longest episode we've ever done. It might be. I don't know, like, because you have to consider, like, our Force Awakens crossover. Yeah, because I, 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 I am thinking about that, but it was, like, almost right at four hours. It was, like, four hours and three minutes or something like that. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I it was... It was cutting it pretty close. It's, I feel it's, like... It, it doesn't necessarily count because we did it in sections, whereas... Other podcasts we've done straight through. That's true. But still, airtime. Episode that we uploaded, it was four hours, 16 minutes. That's crazy. I wonder how many people actually listen to that. Hopefully a lot. <laughs> who, I think... who, who listened to all four hours and 16 minutes of us rambling on about one movie? I'm going to take a look at the stats right now and see... See what it says. I think it did pretty uh, good. I think it did pretty nope, good. Nope, that's not what I wanted. Uh, let me look at the stats, not the edit. There it is. Uh, Endgame Pod has almost 200 listens in the last nice. uh, three weeks. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. 125 uh, for for 237. For the, for the Yeah, for 237 is 125 in the last two or three weeks. So basically since it came out. That's not too bad. Not that's a, that's about average. We we average anywhere between 100 to 200 listens a week. So, yeah. We we were par for the course for something that we contributed 4 hours of our day to. Yeah. Congratulations to us. <laughs> oh, well. What episode would be complete without this next segment? The answer is none. No. Nope. 
So, ladies and gentlemen, and kids of all ages, let's get ready to rumble! Oh no, that's not the right thing. Okay, sorry. Not quite. Get out your hashtags. Start putting them in the chat if you're listening live. Put them on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Find us there at all those places at IPC Podcast, by the way. We do check this hashtag. And uh, who knows, in an uh, upcoming episode, we may just have to do a hashtag check-in. We do those probably every few months or so just to see what you're up to. But for now, it's time one more time for everybody's favorite segment, hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 Well, it's time to talk about something that we, I, I think we alluded to last week or like maybe made it made a reference to uh-huh. and and i was like okay i actually want to follow up with this and and get your thoughts on it because this is this is something that's rather unprecedented for me but also it got me thinking because there are some um there, there are some elements of barbecue that i feel like could benefit from you know, being able to dip it in ranch dressing instead of barbecue sauce. Right. But I don't really know if ranch is actually a barbecue dressing or not. I, I'm kind of torn on its place in the barbecue family. So I'm curious, where do you stand on this? I don't know. It's It's interesting because, you know... I think ranch goes with a lot of stuff. And, you know, depending on what you're talking about, like ranch uses a dipping sauce. I don't, I've never heard of anybody actually like putting it on a sandwich or whatever, but like, you know, you have like barbecue wings. That's a ranch is very popular with that. Um, and, you know, you could, yeah, I don't know. I guess you could put it on ribs or whatever. Like, I, I think you could, you could do a lot with ranch. Especially in place of barbecue. What I've always thing thought about is like, what about barbecue ranch? What about a mix of barbecue sauce and ranch dressing? I think we've even talked about that before. Like, it's, I don't know, I think it's an interesting concept to like, because it's such a contrast. You know, barbecue sauce is such a rich and kind of sometimes spicy, you know, thing. Whereas ranch is like, you know, cool ranch Doritos like it's cool ranch it's like this cool refreshing kind of like totally different flavor so mixing it with barbecue I don't know how you do it um in regards to just like putting it in where it would kind of blend well well I mean our friend Matthew has has a has a good point in the chat he says it goes well with wings particularly buffalo wings or or barbecue wings Mm mm-hmm that's that ranch is kind of the staple for that honestly like i don't know of any other dipping sauce that you use with wings outside of ranch um but i'm also thinking in the context not necessarily of putting it on sandwiches but maybe as an alternative dipping sauce instead of using barbecue sauce 
you dip certain meats in ranch instead as a cooling agent to kind of balance between the peppered heat of your sausage or something like that. Right, right, exactly. Um, you know, you could yeah, you could do something like that. You could there's any number of things that you could kind of like throw it in as this, you know, and just having the good contrast between, you know, you know, not one not overpowering the other, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's all about balance. Uh, I, for one, don't think I could eat an entire barbecue meal with just ranch on the side. But if I had a cup of barbecue sauce and a cup of ranch, I would definitely kind of be alternating back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I could um, drizzle it over my baked beans, perhaps. I feel like yeah. I would definitely dip my sausage or my brisket in it. I don't know about pulled pork. I really don't know what pork and ranch would be like. Um, I think there's a reason you don't put ranch on your pork chops or anything like that. So um, there's definitely like a gray area of sorts as far as figuring out where ranch belongs and where it doesn't. Whereas barbecue sauce goes with pretty much anything barbecue related. The only time I've I've heard ranch going well with pulled pork or beef, for example. Um, now I don't really eat salads myself, but I know a lot of people who do. And when you do a barbecue salad, that's a you know some people you know you have you're taking you know can your green salad you're putting you know barbecue meat on top of it, whether it be pork or beef. And some people eat it kind of dry, I guess. Some people put sauce on it. Some people put ranch dressing. Some people put both on it, and that's kind of like the ultimate kind of mixing because you're, it's your people are used to ranch being on a salad, and you, some people won't eat salad without ranch dressing, and some people won't eat barbecue without barbecue sauce. So it's just kind of like mashing together of two things. So like what you're talking about with like sausage, like I don't know, like could you, could you like do a hot dog? And do you know? Ooh. Uh, do pull, do pulled pork? Ooh, like like a, like like a Hebrew national hot dog? Is that what you mean? Maybe, or maybe Ooh. a sausage dog, or Ooh. put some lettuce on it and some ranch dressing on top of that, with some pulled pork, I guess maybe. See, that's the thing. I don't know how adventurous I'm willing to get with this ranch yeah, dressing. You got you got to throw yourself out there. You got to be willing to 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 step out on those limbs. I don't know if I'm ready to do that. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know if I'm ready for that. That's a, that's a pretty big commitment. Um, Matthew also makes a good point that uh, bacon tends to go really well with ranch. Oh, yeah. Bacon, bacon like, um, I've put grilled chicken, bacon, and ranch on, like, a homemade pizza before. So, I mean, that combination is not unheard of. I suppose you could go with barbecued chicken with some bacon bits and some ranch dressing. I think that would be an interesting combination for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think just, I don't know, going going on a limb and uh, seeing what works. And you never know. I mean, you could, I mean, we're, you could become a, 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 a barbecue explorer here. You could discover something no one else has discovered. Or I could throw up in the barbecue joint's restroom. 
it's anything's possible. Anything's possible, but sacrifices must be made. That's the danger of going out on a limb. Is I'm so fat, I'm afraid the limb is gonna fall out from underneath me. Same, bro. Same. So my my adventurous streak only goes so far. But if you guys are feeling adventurous, then be sure to keep up with all the other episodes that we have of the IPC podcast. You can find them on places like StarWarsUnderworld.com because they are official partners of the IPC podcast. We're also on iTunes. We're also on Google Play. But the best place to find us is our hosting platform, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. Pod as in podcast, bean like green bean, podbean. It's also an app. And if you subscribe to us, like I said, you could um, patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast. One or two dollars a month gets you access to all 239 episodes that we have in our library. Might take some digging, might take a lot of binge listening because some episodes are four plus hours apparently. <laughs> but it's doable. It's entirely doable to go back and listen to five years worth of podcasts if you go to the uh, podcast page on Podbean. It's literally all there. Yeah, every bit of it. We've been doing this a long time, if you haven't noticed. Dude, dude, five years, and you're still not sick of me yet. I'm, I feel the same way, man. Two, 239 episodes at takes a toll on you now in case you guys were wondering if we had forgotten the quote of the night we have not we're actually going to let that be what closes out the evening so you guys can have a listen to it uh it it actually kind of snuck up on us because uh, it was only like a day or two ago when it released and it really wasn't one that we really had on our radar and then we saw the cast list for it yeah and i was like whoa because the top three on it are Leo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie. But then you're also going to have Al Pacino in this movie. You're going to have Kurt Russell in this movie. And, I mean, so many other people involved in it as well. It's called um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Am I correct? Yes, indeed. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I'm just going to give, like, my quick 30-second spiel for it. I love timepieces. I love timepieces because it gives us a glimpse of our past and some of the things that we used to do and noticing the similarities to what we've what we experience today. Timepieces are fun, they're adventurous, they're awesome, but they also tend to have like a modern twist on it. That's exactly what The Shape of Water was. I love The Shape of Water. I don't expect weird, you know, water porn from this movie. <laughs> But it does seem to have a little bit of an edge to it. And I'm curious to see how that edge plays out, how that chemistry between those people play out, and what could end up happening with this movie. I don't know if it's going to compete with any superhero movies, but it's got a super cast, and I'm now excited to see it based on what I saw from this trailer. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, this really wasn't on my radar much, and I, I, you know, I'm not a big Tarantino fan per se, um, but yeah, you're right. That's this is this is a Tarantino film that he's directing. Yeah, this is his. He even says it's like his eighth movie or something like that. Like I think he's supposed to only like make like he promised a while back he would only make like a certain amount of films, and this is like one of the last ones. Which put yourself in a box, Tarantino. Why you do that? Just keep making movies. But whatever. Um, 
like, but this one was just kind of out there, and and it, the trailer came out, and I was like, eh, whatever, you know. I, I didn't really watch it, and then I watched it right before the thing. I'm like, okay, that was pretty interesting. Like, you know, yeah, DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, yeah, yeah, you 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 got me there. But like, seeing some certain people show up that I wasn't expecting, not just characters, like some real people, <laughs> like some real <laughs> world characters, uh, a la Charles Manson is apparently in this movie. I'm like, okay, this just got real. Like, I thought it was just going to be, like, this movie about old-time Hollywood or, like, 60s Hollywood, not, like, not like the, the golden age, but, like, this is, you know, kind of high life, like, when, when movies were, like, really getting going. And then you have, you know, hey, Charlie's here. Like, okay. And the, whoever the guy to play Charles Manson is dead on. He's creepy as creepy AF. Um, so... Yeah, I'm I'm very interested in this movie now. And yeah, there is an F-bomb in this scene that you won't hear because I'm going to bleep it out. Like I said, a little bit of an edge, but overall seems to be a really intriguing uh, prospect for this, uh, this summer slate. So we'll see what happens, and hopefully we'll get a chance to maybe talk a little bit more about it uh, at some other point later on this year. But for this week... I, unless you have anything else, Ben, I I think I think it's time to call it a night. Ah, I think I think we done did it. I think we nailed it. And we talked about a lot of good, interesting stuff. Thank you to Vanity Fair and Lucasfilm for mm-hmm. bestowing us with some awesome Star Wars set photos that we could talk about Very true. off the top of the show. And heck yeah, we were one of the first podcasts to talk about that. So there you go. If you want to hear about it in even more depth, then go check out the SWU. I have a feeling y'all are going to have a field day talking about this. We'll talk about it just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, Just a a teensy little bit. And we might talk about it on our personal pages as well. Go find us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at Zach, Z-A-C underscore D-F-W. You can find Ben on Twitter and Instagram as well and on Facebook at Ben Hart with no E. Just spell that out phonetically. Ben Hart with no E. Good luck. Good luck. Kidding. Kidding. I'm kidding. It's that time of night, so I'm going to call it a night. Episode 239 is now officially in the books for Mr. Ben Hart with no E. I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for listening. We hope that you'll listen again next time around. But until that time comes, we just want to leave you with this closing thought. Great hope can come from small sacrifices. And we hope to see you next week right here on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone. I'm Rick Dalton. It's my pleasure, Mr. Schwartz. Call me Marvin. Put it there. That your son? No, it's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. Last night, we watched a Rick Dalton double feature. <laughs> All the shooting. <laughs> I love that stuff, you know, the killing. A lot of killing. Anybody order fried sauerkraut? Cry, you Nazi bastards! you to be an actor, Rick. Not a TV cowboy. You're better than that.
line? Cut! Embarrass yourself like that in front of all those goddamn people! All right, what's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. Well, it has been. Here I am, flat on my ass. Who do I got living next door to me? I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me. I play Miss Carlson, the klutz. Charlie's gonna dig you. And that gospel group. I can all change like that. Hey, you're Rick Dalton. Don't you forget it.